sorry. <laughs> Thank you, David. Great song. It's been an eventful afternoon for me. Monday, my family and I moved. Uh, if you know anything about us, we do that quite often. So we moved to another house. Three years ago, my son adopted a, a wonderful, beautiful pet cat from the pound. Love this cat. It's become mine more than it has his, probably. He's a rattlesnake killer, a, a rat catcher, anything. I mean, he's, he's a stone-cold hunter. And he's a sweet cat, very sweet cat. So I've grown to, I know that sounds silly to some of you, but I've grown to love this cat. So we move him with us on Monday, and we let him out, and I guess the commotion and everything freaked him out. And he's been gone since Monday. Yeah, pretty sad. One night, Libby and I go over to the old house to move some stuff, and I hear him, but I can't ever find him. So today, I drive up to church, and I get in the parking lot, and I hear him. And I open up the hood, and there he is. <laughs> Down on the splash guard underneath the fan motor, just chilling. Couldn't get out, so I get a chair from the office, and I climb into the, uh, into the motor and grab him by the nape of his neck and pull him out, and he's pretty rough looking and hungry, but he's doing well, so... That was my afternoon. So you can see I'm a little rattled, David. Well, we are talking about transitions over the next several Sunday nights. More or less the major transitions that some of us, if not most of us, or all of us face in our lives. And tonight we're looking at the transition from adolescence to adulthood, which is why I wanted to do it tonight while our college students were still in town and, you know, hopefully express some things that may help you in your faith walk. So obviously we're talking to a specific group of people, but hopefully this will set up our series for everyone uh, who is here and listening. Do you remember the name Ken Osmond? Does that name sound familiar? He's not one of the Osmond brothers. Ken Osmond played the charming yet shady character Eddie Haskell on Leave it to Beaver. You remember Eddie Haskell, he was all charm and such a delight to the parents, but as soon as he got behind closed doors with his best friend Wally, he was anything but charming and polite. Well, Ken Osmond struggled with his acting career after Leave it to Beaver. Seems that he was typecast, he couldn't find another role, he appeared on different television shows for a short stint, but never really could catch on with acting after the show Leave it to Beaver. So you know what he did? He didn't fall into drugs or alcohol or depression like a lot of child actors do when the fame runs out. No, instead, Ken Osmond joined the Los Angeles Police Department where he served the force faithfully for 18 years. He even was chasing a perpetrator on foot and was shot three times, but lived and continued to serve and retired after 18 years on the force in 1988. Ken Osmond turned the page. He said, I had one chapter in life that was great, and now it's time for another chapter. He didn't moan and groan about his acting career being over. He simply went on to the next thing. And we all at some point have to turn the page in our lives, don't we? There are different chapters to life, and some of those are unwelcomed. Some of you have had to face the loss of a spouse. That's not a chapter that you want to say goodbye to, and that's not a page you want to turn. 
Some of you have had to deal with, with illness. Some of you, uh, you know, have raised kids, have had to deal with empty nest, which is something Libby and I are facing in the very near future. Some chapters are unwelcomed, but some chapters are going to come regardless of what you want from them or not. I mean, for instance, you're going to have to grow. You're going to have to mature whether you like it or not. You're going to grow through different stages of life, and that's just how life is. If you live long enough, you're going to experience change. And how you deal with that means everything, right? So, we're looking at transitioning from adolescence to adulthood. And there's a new verb that is circulating. Maybe you've heard it. It's a millennial term, I assume. It's called adulting. And maybe you've heard that term. Maybe you've seen it on t-shirts or coffee mugs. Can't adult today, right? Adulting just simply means I am having to do adult things. And some of us find that getting out on our own and being adult is not all that it's cracked up to be. You know, for all the excitement of turning 18, living on our own, whatever that looked like, that quickly is replaced by stress and challenges, right? Now you're, you know, you're paying your own rent or you're purchasing a home or a car for the first time. You're having to pay the utilities and your own insurance, your own phone bill, all those things. That can be very stressful. So while it's exciting, it's also a challenge. It's kind of like going to a foreign country. Maybe you've studied that foreign country. You've never been there, but maybe you know how they dress, you know the language. But until you get there, you never really experience it. It's kind of that way with adulthood and that transition. If you look in the book of Joshua, and in the book of Joshua, beginning in verse 1, we see some things here that I think speak to us when it comes to the various transitions that we face in life. It says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Joshua is leading God's people in a time of transition. Moses had been leading them in a time of transition, the transition from Egyptian slavery toward the promised land, but that didn't work out so well. As you know, the people were mumbling and grumbling. They were questioning Moses' leadership and in the process questioning God. And so God forces them to wander around for 40 years and eventually wipes them all out. Moses passes away, and now Joshua is tasked with leading the people on into the promised land. He's leading a grieving people. They grieve for 30 days over the loss of Moses. And so Joshua has the unenviable task in a lot of ways of taking this people and moving them toward the promised land. And I think there's three principles that we can learn here that help us in our transitions. First of all, verses 1 and 2. Now it came about... After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the sons of Israel. 
I think what you see here in these first two verses is you've got to turn the page. Whether you like to or not, you've got to turn the page. Moses is dead. There's some reluctance. There's change here. Moses' death was monumental. So Joshua is leading this group of grieving people. But it's as if God is saying, okay, you've mourned. I know you're hurt. But you've got to get up and you've got to go. You've got to move forward. You know, you can't steal second base with your foot still on first. And if we're going to transition, we've got to make sure that we're not always living in the past, but yet we're moving forward. We can remember the past. We can appreciate the past. We can't live in the past. We can't worship the past. And we cannot allow the past to block our future. It was Edmund Burke who said, the past should be a springboard, not a hammock. God wasn't telling the people that they needed to forget about Moses. He's just saying it's time to move on. You can still grieve even, but you've got to move on. Notice verse 3 again. It says, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. God says, take it. It's yours. Every bit of it. I've given it to you. You've got to go and seize it. Joshua and the Israelites could march on with boldness and confidence, knowing that God's promises are real, that they're true. You know, as you transition, whether you're transitioning to adulthood or whatever stage in your life, one thing always holds true. You are to be about the Father's business. You are always to be about glorifying God. We hear so much talk in our world about purpose. What's my purpose? I don't know my purpose. You all have the same purpose. It's to glorify God. Everybody has the same purpose. It's not that hard. Glorify God. It's not some deep theological mystery. We all have the same purpose purpose and and you can step out in confidence knowing that you are not transitioning alone you're not doing this on your own joshua wasn't you aren't either god tells joshua be confident be bold and courageous we didn't read that verse it's verse six but he says do not be afraid be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land which i swore to their fathers to give them i remember very well my first day of college i was scared to death I knew that I was going to Arkansas State University. It was just down the road from where I grew up. I knew I was going to drive back and forth. I'd really grown up around this college. I don't know why I was so intimidated, but I remember that first day on campus being scared to death. I didn't feel like I was smart enough. I didn't really even know I wanted to go to college. I wasn't really dead set on going. But, you know, after a while, I got used to things. I became indoctrinated with with the way things work in college. About the second semester, I was strutting around like I owned the place. Because once you get comfortable, once you realize it's not all that bad, that you can actually make it, that you're going to be okay, you can strike out with confidence. When we look at what Joshua was told by God, we can say to ourselves, hey, I can do this. I can do this. We need to be able to own our decisions to own what we are doing in life because we know we're not doing it alone. As long as those decisions are backed by proper biblical understanding, as long as those decisions are made with common sense and logic and seeking God and prayerful petition, we can strike out with confidence. We can own it. You know, Joshua wasn't undefeated in battle. He lost. And you won't be undefeated either. But you can still win at life. You can still enjoy the victory in the shadow of God's provision. 
Check out verse 5 one more time. He says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, I will not fail you or forsake you. You have every reason to be confident going forth because of who is on your side. You're not facing transition by yourself. You are never out of God's sight. And the third principle is this, you are not alone. You never walk alone. God gave Joshua a promise and God gives you a promise as well. Something you can take to the bank because our God promises to be with us every step of the way. And no matter what the change is, God does not want you wandering around for 40 years with no direction, being aimless. There is a place of promise in his presence, which is why the worst thing you can do when you leave home, young people, is abandon your faith and abandon the church. It's the worst thing you can do. Why does it happen? I'm sure that you've seen the statistics, all of you in here perhaps. Blake has probably shared some of those with our young people. Why do people leave the church when they strike out on their own? And there's a lot of reasons that are given. But one of them that I seldom hear and that I think is very true is absolute selfishness. I don't have to go and I don't want to go. And I know that's part of it, and maybe the bigger part of it. But you don't hear that one as much. You hear about maybe the way that they were raised. You hear about the church that they grew up in and all that. And certainly, maybe those factors play in. But good old-fashioned selfishness is a big part of it. I'm on my own. Nobody's watching over me. Nobody has a thumb on me. I don't have to go. I'm not going to go. Joshua lost the battle at Ai because sin was in the camp. Achan had sinned, and it cost them dearly. Again, your entire life is, a be, is to be about glorifying God. That's it, period, exclamation point. So you can go off to college, and you can get an education, and you can get a lot of initials behind your name. You can go and make a great career for yourself and build an empire here on earth. You can maybe rise to prominence, maybe to the highest office in the United States and be president someday. But if you lose your faith, your life is meaningless. If you abandon faith and abandon the church, whatever you accomplish in life, no matter how great it is and noteworthy it is, it's nothing. It means nothing. And it goes to hell with you. Remember that. Whether you're a Hall of Fame pitcher or or, or quarterback, whether you're a multimillionaire in life, if God is not involved, it is worthless. And I can't put it any plainer than that. So, I would ask you to think about that. The next time you're wavering on going to church Sunday morning because you stayed up too late Saturday night, I want you to think about that as you get a little older and you think it'd be easier to skip church on Sunday so I can go into the office and get ahead. Think about it. Think about it the next time you are tempted to put earthly pursuits above heavenly pursuits. For all of us facing transition in life, we need to remember to turn the page, remember the past, arch ahead toward what God has planned for us. Be confident, be bold, knowing that God is on our side, and remember that you are not alone, that God has given you a promise, and he's not leaving. So don't leave him. Look with me at another piece of scripture. This is found in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. John writes, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, 
that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. I don't know why I'm standing over here if I want to talk to you. You know, as you grow in adulthood, I think it's important for you to remember and for all of us to remember that you are always a child. Always. And I don't say that condescendingly. I just say it as truth. You are always a child of God. As long as you allow that relationship to exist and persist. If you move away from God, that's your own fault, but you are always a child of God as long as you stay faithful and in His presence. Becoming a biological adult doesn't change your responsibilities as one of God's children. And so I say that to say don't get tunnel vision, don't get so focused on on school or your studies or sports or whatever it is or getting promotions or getting married that you disown the church, that you're not as faithful that you're not raising the spiritual bar, that you're not developing that relationship with the Heavenly Father. And along with this, I would say that whether you're going off to school or joining the military or going away for a job or whatever it is, find a church to plug into. Don't be a floater. There are a lot of floaters. They spend years just visiting around different churches. What church you go to? Well, I haven't really found one yet. Find a church and plug in. Be an active part of a church community. And as you search for the right place to land, ask yourself these questions. Number one, does this church hold the Bible in highest esteem? Because that is absolutely the foremost important thing. Secondly, does this church function scripturally? Third, does it teach truth? And fourth, is it a place where I can grow? And after you've done some investigating and you've settled in a place, ask the question, how can I serve here? How can I get involved? Unfortunately, what happens so many times is we ask different questions. We ask, what time is worship? Because the later, the better, right? I want to sleep in as long as possible. What does this church have that caters to me? Which is not always a terrible question. It's just not the most important question. Or can I, can I come in, sit in the back, and do nothing? Adulthood is where you make faith your own. All your life you've grown up in the shadow of your parents' faith. And that's not a bad thing. Maybe you came to church because your parents made you. Whatever. As you grow, as you get out on your own, you have the opportunity to develop your own faith. And I don't believe that you can move from an affiliated faith to an owned faith without doing some struggling and without asking some questions. I'm a prime example of that. The problem is we tend to have a herd mentality and we follow our friends rather than following Jesus and God's word or we listen to a prominent professor or we listen to some other man or woman teaching us something. Maybe you listen to the preacher like me and you don't ever study for yourself. Your world, when you go off to school or join the workforce, military, wherever you go, your world will be opened up in a way it never has before and that's a good thing. Know where to turn. Know that you turn to God and to his word. That in order to find truth and to find the answers, it's not from a man. It's not from a secular book. It's 
Those things can be helpful, but most importantly, it's from God's Word. And I'd like to say this. When I was younger, I thought that growing up and reaching adulthood meant having it all figured out. It doesn't. And that's okay. Those of you who are juniors and seniors, you're going to be asked a question, and you've probably already been asked it a million times. And you're going to be asked it so much that you can't hardly stand to answer it anymore. You know what that question is? Yeah. So what are you going to do? That's the question for every senior, right? So what are you going to do? And you may feel a little guilty not having a good answer to that. You might even feel guilty once you go to college and you have to be undeclared for a little while, undecided, because you don't really know what you want to major in, and that's okay. It's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have a 10-year plan. Not right now. It's okay to still be trying to figure some, some things out. I'm not advocating laziness or, or lethargy. I'm just saying it's okay if you don't have it all figured out. I'm a prime example of someone who had it all figured out but really didn't. You know, I grew up from the time I was 12 years old saying, sports is going to be a part of my life. I'm going to be a coach. Uh, I, I went to college, and they said, what are you going to minor in because you've got to teach something as a coach? And I said, well, I'm going to teach PE and health. And they said, oh, you can't do that. No coach can ever find a job that's teaching PE and health because all those coaches that are doing that, they don't retire because they, they have it easy teaching PE and health, right? I found a job coaching and teaching PE and health. I had the dream job, the dream girl, the dream life. God had a different plan. Understand that becoming a Christian, being a youth minister, then a preacher, then the pulpit minister at the Oldham Lane Church of Christ was never, ever on my radar, ever. Not even close. 17 years ago, I would have laughed if you told me this is where I'd be. So you just never know. But be open to God's plan. Pray, turn up the volume in your prayer life. Don't abandon your faith, don't abandon the church. In fact, grow closer to God, grow closer to His people. Make sure that you are diligent to develop that own faith, to move from affiliated to owned. Be confident, be bold and courageous because you've got God on your side. There's another passage of Scripture that I want to open your minds to. But, you know, I just thought when I was going through this, it'd be more appropriate if somebody who was going through this would read it. So Cooper's going to come read this for us. I mean, Philippians 3 chapters, verses 7 through 14. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all, of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, and the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that, I'm, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. 
Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching to what lies ahead, pressing on towards a goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was facing a transition here, a transition soon from life to death, but also Paul expected Jesus to come back very soon. And so that would be the biggest transition that he would face or that any Christian has to face, right? So notice that there's no mention here of planning for retirement. There's no mention here of degrees, titles, or bank statements. Not that any of those things don't matter, but in light of Jesus' return and Paul's own mortality, they didn't matter as much. In fact, it didn't matter at all at that moment. And so I encourage you to keep that in mind as you go forward. That ultimately your life is about something bigger. And it's not about a career. It's not even about an education. Sorry, parents. You know, it's, those things are great. But ultimately... It's about what you do with your faith. It's about how you glorify God in everything that you do. Make everything in your life a ministry. Don't be selfish. Cling to God. Own your faith. And move forward. Let's pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our young people. We thank you that we have such a good, good group of young people who strive to know you better who have been raised well, and who I believe are ready for the next step. We pray for those who are already in college, who are right in the middle of that next step, and we pray for those who have recently graduated and who are starting a life on their own. We pray for them and for that transition as well, and we pray that they hold on to you, God, that they cling to their faith, that they allow you to guide their steps, and that they seek to live out their purpose, which is to glorify you in all things. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a new year and a new opportunity, and so we want to invite you this evening, if you have a need that we can help you with, if uh, you'd like to study the Bible with someone, if you'd like to you know, have someone pray with you and maybe counsel with you, if you'd like to put on Christ in baptism, we're going to continue saying it every week. There's no better time than right now to get right with God. So please, don't leave here tonight without doing so. If we can help you in some way, David's going to lead us in a song, maybe even two or three. I don't know. I'm not going to, not going to pigeonhole him. Come now as we stand and as we sing. <laughs>